Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. And welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Laura Pullman, filling in for Gloria Ackerman. And the grunting you can hear is Ryan Pullman getting a snack. Yes, so. <laughs> she will not be in the background of this episode. She will be in the foreground. <laughs> so, yep, our uh, usual sitter, uh, Laura's mom, is out this week visiting uh, your brother mm-hmm. down in Austin. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. Hi, Candy. <laughs> so, um, Laura volunteered to fill in for her. So, uh, we might have to pause the podcast in case... Uh, Ryan gets a little too fussy, but you shouldn't really notice that too much. This week, though, uh, on the podcast, we are going to not talk about any characters, because that's kind of Gloria's thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we might have some conversation at the end, but we're also kind of running out of uh, characters, main characters of the show, to talk about, really. Right. And I think, as we might mention, even the side characters are starting to kind of go away because in one of the episodes this week, um, one of the nurses, who they've always credited fully up until now, was just listed as nurse. Hmm. So that's kind of, in my mind, the start of them using like Nurse Abel, Nurse Baker, and then just rotating people through those roles. So uh, we're even starting to run out of secondary characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you would like to hear about any specific character again if we forgot something if you want to hear about a secondary character like ugly john we could look him up that sort of thing uh feel free to email us at whiskeymash at narclaninc.com we'll list that again at the end of the show yeah i personally like the nurse that odessa cleveland portrays Uh, she's been in a few times ginger bayless yeah yes nurse ginger yeah she's pretty cool you know one thing with that um I think we've probably seen her in her last really big starring role on the show. Mm, and okay. and one thing that I saw with her, and you see it with uh, uh, Gary Berghoff, Radar, is their last couple shows, they have a very different hairstyle. Hmm. Like, Interesting. Like it's no longer their show hairstyle, it's their hairstyle for something else. <laughs> That they just didn't have to cut back down again. MASH really is telling with hairstyles, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Either that or we're just reading into it too much. You know, either way. Definitely could be. But anyway, uh, this week we're going to be reviewing the last two episodes of Season 1. So episode 23 from Season 1, Ceasefire. And episode 24 from Season 1, Showtime. Which, uh, Showtime is a little weird... Just in terms of how it's structured. Yeah, that one was a little trippy. Yeah, it's almost a little, um, um, gosh, I can't think of the name. Uh, Kill Bill. Nice, Ryan's pooping. Uh, Kill Bill, who directed that? Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. You know how he kind of does stuff out of order? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like that. It definitely was. Yeah, so, uh, we'll talk about that more when we get there, but, uh, do you want me to just summarize the shows this time or did you want Um, to do one of them i can help out yeah okay so uh starting with episode 23 ceasefire uh what 
what's the basic storyline? The basic storyline on this one is everyone's in. It starts out with everyone in surgery, and they. It. I think it was Hawkeye who asked, "What day is it?" It was either Hawkeye or Trapper, and it's like it was like Thursday, and they were, they said we've been in here since Tuesday, so everyone is drained. It's it's very you know they've been in surgery forever. Um, Radar comes in and asks the colonel to sign some forms, and he asks, what forms are these? And I love it, said, forms to get the forms to enable us to get more forms. <laughs> uh, uh, army bureaucracy at its best. Yes, I, I, that cracked me up. So at this time, when they're all just pooped out, they go into Colonel Blake. Blake's office. Yep, that's and where Radar asks when. Yep, yep, and... Um, they get a phone call from the general, and at first the colonel was like, "Radar, I don't want to hear from anybody." Just and sorry, general, um, we're he doesn't want to hear from anyone. Give me the phone. <laughs> so they find out that the general was calling for a ceasefire. Like he he heard that a ceasefire had been called, mm-hmm. um, and it was unofficial, but he heard it from um sick sim compact sim compact yeah kind of you know like think of i'm not really sure on that i should have looked it up ahead of time but i'm guessing that's something like divisional or regimental hq yeah in korea so makes sense yeah and so but it's completely on the hush hush and as radar sneaks out of the office completely on the hush hush don't say anything and frank burns and a whole bunch of others run in Colonel, have you heard? There's a ceasefire! Hawkeye is screaming at Henry over the din. I promise you, Colonel, neither of us will say (laughs) one thing. Mum's the word. So then we head outside where there's a party and there's a jeep driving around in a circle with the siren going off and toilet paper streamers. And and, uh, Father Mulcahy's in there. Mm-hmm. Saying, "Well, let's give thanks." Oh, that was great! Yeah, let's let's have a moment of prayer for all of our fallen comrades, and everybody gets really solemn. All right, now on with the secular festivities. <laughs> and I always love it. Now this is a little sidetrack, and I apologize, but I always love it when Father Mulcahy's on screen because I had a professor in college who looked and acted and sounded just like Father Mulcahy. <laughs> and a friend of mine and I, Mike Schmidt, you, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. would always tease about Professor Shea being, if he wasn't a computer science professor, he would have been a priest named Father Mulcahy. Ah. And just always cracks me up. So nice. little side tangent about that. Um, so we, we go on and parties ensue and Trapper mm-hmm. is not convinced. He said, this is how the army works. A ceasefire gets announced. It's not true. You know, the war and the war continues. Yeah. Basically, you know, it, it, it's a morale boost and mm-hmm. then the rug gets pulled off from under everyone. Right. So he's kind of being a fuddy duddy mm-hmm. while all this is going on. Radar has a book, a scrapbook that he wants everybody to sign. Yep. And... Trapper does kind of put a fuddy-duddy um, signature in there. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it's something like, um, like, see you later. Yeah. Uh... My favorites was Hawkeye's. <laughs> this is the best restaurant I ever ate at. <laughs> oh, Hawkeye. Yeah. And then um, on to Colonel Blake wrote something very sweet and touching about, mm-hmm. and they had this very touching moment about how, um, 
radar is kind of like a sun to him. And, yeah. Yeah. Apparently a grown-up son, because then, uh, one that's moved out of the house, because then he's like, we should get together after the war, and Colonel Blake said something like, oh we, yeah. We should yeah. do lunch. Sometime, eventually. How about about two months after the war? Oh, radar, I'm going to be busy with a lot of things. It, You know, it... Yeah. It, but eventually we'll do it, right? Oh, you bet, champ. Yeah, so then the general comes into the camp to celebrate with everybody. Mm-hmm. And while, while in the celebration, Hawkeye makes a speech where he tears up all of his poker IOUs, about $1,500 worth. And in the 50s, that was a much bigger deal than it yeah. is today. Yeah. Um, that was a car. Uh, as we remember from one previous episode, that was a moose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then they have a slideshow that Hawkeye put together where it's a bunch of embarrassing pictures <laughs> of the general, including some of him coming out of the toilet and some of them with his arms and lips around hot lips. A lot of those. A yeah. lot of those. Which, which I'd like to point out, um... The projector, the slide projector they were using was not like a carousel slide projector. It basically had like two slide capacity. So Radar was sitting there, he'd put one in, slide it in, pull the other one out, load another one, push it over. Once again, poor Radar was Hawkeye's lackey during one of Hawkeye's famous pranks. Oh, but he was enjoying it. Oh, he always enjoys it. (laughs) He always enjoys it. Yeah. So then we get word that... um, Unfortunately, Trapper was right. The ceasefire was a... They, they they celebrated too early. Yeah. We don't know if it was a hoax, but it turns out that there was no ceasefire. So, and immediately after that, we hear over the PA. Wounded. Incoming wounded, incoming wounded. So, And then the, the episode ends mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with Hawkeye and Trapper. In the remains of the swamp. The locals kind of picked it over. They kind of picked over the whole camp. Yeah, because Hawkeye... Hawkeye told them to. Yeah, Hawkeye said, take everything you want. The army leaves tons of stuff around. (laughs) Trapper, on the other hand, still had... uh, Yeah, Trapper had all his stuff. um, And uh, the swamp was gone, including the canvas of the tent. Right. Okay. So, that's how it ends. Um, some other notable things uh, about the episode. Uh, non-jazzy music. Non-jazzy music. So, we're back to more of the, what I'm going to call the vanilla opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, is that going to be the rest of the series, or are they going to go back to jazzy? It changes every so often. Okay. Like, in... I want to say around the time when BJ gets his mustache and his goofy hat, it gets a little... Because, I mean, remember, too, this started in the 60s and ended in the... No. They definitely recorded, like, through the 70s. I want to say they ended in the 80s. Oh, wow. I want to say. So, I mean, consider the music of the time as well. Sure. (laughs) And that's going to influence how... Oh, definitely. Or even the styles, because even if you watch westerns, you can tell when a western is done in today's world versus the 70s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what else? There was a part that really bothered me, Mm -hmm. um, and that was with Margaret and Frank. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were getting drunk. Mm-hmm. And it started out with Margaret being sober and saying, Frank, I'm not, you know, we're going home. I'm not going to bug you. You know, I won't. I, I understand. And as I progressed, she got drunk. And she had a really funny drunk voice. It was very <laughs> similar to this. <laughs> And but, that and that stays throughout the series. That, that that's her drunk, her drunk voice? voice. Yeah, that's awesome. It just it's that it's, it's way up here. I, oh, yeah. Frank, <laughs> that's pretty good. To be fair, okay, just to point out too, right now this is whiskey and mash and root beer. Yes, because we don't want to get Ryan drunk. So just pointing <laughs> that out um, for anybody who's worried about that. Anyway. And yeah. Ryan's not drinking root beer. I'm drinking root beer. Just again to point that out, <laughs> so nobody thinks that our three-month-old is drinking root beer. Um, so put a nipple on the grape knee high, give it to her. There you go. <laughs> um, ah, Bach. Ah, Bach. So, but um, so as she gets drunk, though, she's Frank. I need you. I learned to live with your wife, and uh, you know, and it's just I. I just don't think that's who the Margaret, in my opinion, because I watched this as a kid growing up, mm-hmm. and I saw more later episodes, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. after Frank left, mm-hmm. and I mean, obviously, in syndication because I'm not that old, um, yeah. and um, like I always saw Margaret as this powerful, strong female role model and so to see her begging for frank to take her with him mm-hmm. it just it really irked me because it's like i, I just didn't see margaret doing that. i saw margaret mm-hmm. saying oh okay i'll go after someone higher in rank like the general like we saw her wrapped around the general <laughs> at the end in the slideshow presentation yeah. no and i i agree with you and i think we've seen that before in this Mm-hmm. season already we have but at the same time you know in my mind looking at it as a whole because even in later seasons we see her with um like a lieutenant general having that same relationship mm-hmm. of general and margaret yes and the thing is she she uses the generals to her benefit but she never needs them you know sure she never needs them because for whatever reason <laughs> she never needs them you know that sort of thing mm-hmm um, I think one reason she's like that with Frank is because he needs her, and so it's almost a codependency sort sure. of thing. I it, it's not a great explanation, right? And it it is kind of funny to watch that progression. Um, my explanations is the seventies. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's but, the best explanation. But like as we go through the episode, the one thing that is really funny is to watch that flip. Where it starts with Frank, kind of you you can see him sad about it, mm-hmm. but you know she's saying, "Don't worry, um, I I won't be around." And then he says, uh, "My wife would really like you." Don't push it, Frank. <laughs> and then it goes to her being like, "Your wife and I'll get along great." Your wife oh. and I'll get along great. Yeah. So she it, also gets like a Brooklyn accent when she's drunk, apparently too. I, I didn't do it there, but she she does. Yeah, no, and that definitely sticks around. There's a great episode um, where she decides to leave, mm-hmm. and she gets plastered. Just, I mean, this was drunk, Margaret, but that is like, um, for anybody who's been this drunk, you're gonna know <laughs> what I'm talking about. By the way, did I mention that this isn't a family podcast? I mean, we have Ryan here, but she doesn't understand yet. Um, fast forward, stumbling, 
walls moving, drunk Margaret. Wow. Because, I mean, you, you know, I was watching this, and I mean, I'm 30. I've gone through my drinking phase. Um, I remember being as drunk as Margaret was in this episode. Okay. I never tried to stick my head into a heater like she did. Yes, she was going to <laughs> put her head in the oven so that she didn't have to live without Frank. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that just, like I said, that just kind of bothered me. Yeah. I've never been that drunk. Me either. <laughs> but, I've been pretty drunk. But, you know, you, you could see, like, okay, I get that level of drunk. Sure. But there's another episode where she gets super plastered. And it's that same voice. So at least she's consistent. At least she's consistent. We all have our drunk voices. Yeah. But, um, so that that's one part of the episode is her and Frank and that. Um, Hojan is in the episode. Mm -hmm. That's where Hawkeye tells him, yeah, you and all your family take whatever you want. So at one point we see them taking down the PA speaker while the PA speaker is saying, do not take army equipment. Speaking of that, do we ever meet the man behind the voice? You know, I have this <laughs> MASH trivia, the unofficial quiz book, and right on the cover, who was the PA announcer? Um... I would have to look it up, but I think we actually do. I think it's uh, Igor. Okay. The We see him like he's an assistant cook or whatever. Okay, because I, I always thought it was Radar growing up, but it, we see Radar while the announcer is making announcements, so it's yeah, not Radar. No, I, I think it's Igor. If you listen to when Igor comes on, it sounds like the same voice. Okay. I, again, so they have the assistant cook as the announcer. Yeah. Again, I would need to look this up. I okay. should have ahead of time. You'd think it would be the clerk, though. You would think. But, I mean, Radar... Yeah. Despite the fact that Radar's bunk is literally in the company office, he can't really be on no. duty all the time. I agree. I just... Yeah. I mean, he takes a bath at least once a month. So there... <laughs> <laughs> And he has to help Hawkeye with all the shenanigans. Yeah, so somebody has to fill in for him. <laughs> yes. Um, but we see Hojan. Who else? Um, I think Odessa Cleveland is probably credited in this one. Yes, she was. I don't think we really see her. Well, hear from her, but I think she's in it. If not this one, then the next one. Um, I'm looking through my notes. Uh, ooh. Hawkeye shoots himself in the foot three times. Not literally, but figuratively. Oh. <laughs> um, because the war is over, and he has all these romances going on, and they all want commitment from him. <laughs> and Hawkeye, Hawkeye the character, is not a commitment type of guy. No. So we start off with Lieutenant Nancy Anderson, which, as a bit of continuity, I love that they actually got these actresses back. Episode after episode, yeah. To do this, because it's, it's literally... The same person who plays Lieutenant Anderson as in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. Or episodes. Um, but he implies to her, or he lets her believe, that he is A, married, and B, has kids. And he says, I'm not looking forward to missing you when I get home. And she says, why wait, and gets up and leaves. Right. Next, we see him in post-op checking on a patient, and there's Lieutenant Margie Cutler, yep. who you'll remember from uh, Requiem for a Lightweight, which I think was episode two. Was episode two, Same. where Trapper boxes mm -hmm. to keep her around. Same Margie Cutler. 
Uh, same Margie Cutler from Bananas, Crackers, and Nuts. Different haircut, though. Different haircut. Ah, see? Haircut. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's just because I had to ask Chris if it was the same woman because it had, she had a different haircut. But yeah, same woman, uh, same brunette, Margie Cutler from those episodes. And uh, he implies the same thing to her. He doesn't imply it. He this time it? he says it straight out. He said, I've got a chronic case of, I, you know, uh, I'm sick. Uh, I've got uh, a chronic case of marriage. Terminal. Terminal marriage. Yeah. Um, and then I think we go, because they go, like, behind the sheet, between mm -hmm. the doors to the clerk's office and the sheet right. in post-op. She hits him over the head with something. <laughs> I'm yeah. guessing a bedpan. Yeah, that's what my thought, too, because it clanged pretty good. Yeah. Um but, and then they're, um, okay, so let, let's put that aside for one second. That's two out of three. Klinger. Klinger comes out of his tent. Apparently Klinger gets his own tent. I don't know why Klinger gets his own tent, but that's also consistent throughout. So that he can store all his dresses. Apparently. I don't know why, but yeah, he gets his when, own. When three surgeons share a tent. And you get nurses blunking together. Klinger gets a tent for his dresses. Klinger's... He's a corporal. He's a corpsman. He's nobody. And he gets his own tent for his dresses. I don't know why that works. <laughs> but it does. It's consistent. Um, but he comes out and Trapper tells him what all the partying is about. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to be stuck with 12 dresses. Or he says a dozen. With a dozen dresses. So then skip ahead a little bit in the episode. That was at the beginning. He's selling them all to all these nurses. Right. And Radar asked if he had one in a size 12. Yeah. At the same time, he just sold a dress to Lieutenant Barbara. Mm -hmm. It was this kind of like red and gold number. Chiffon. Chiffon. Okay. Beautiful. And, Off um, the shoulder. Yeah. He, with this sort of... Yeah. Um, raised shoulder wrap. Yeah. And he gives her a pair of high heels to go with it. Yeah. Gold. Gold. Gold heels. Not high heels, like low heels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fast forward again, back to Hawkeye, he encounters Lieutenant Barbara mm -hmm. and, um, I actually missed this. Did you catch what he said to her? It was like, she said, I heard a rumor, yes. something like that, where it was like, I heard a rumor that you were married. I can't remember what he said to her, but I do remember what she said back to him. What was that? It was... Uh, she made it sound like she, he, she was fine with it. And he's like, oh, you're fine with it? And she said, yes, you better check your sleeping bag tonight. And he said, for what? Mm -hmm. Now I'm drawing a blank. But, it was something along the lines for a snake or something yeah. like that. And then she like slams a door in his face, right? Yes. Okay. So three out of three, the three girls that Hawkeye was going out with, he, he wants to dump because he's going home. Right. Keep in mind this whole time, Trapper is very pessimistic about the whole thing, which is a big point I want to bring up at the end. Uh, let's see here. What else do I have? Well, by the way, when mm. Radar asked for the size 12 dress while Chris looks through his notes, um, it wasn't for him. It was for his mother. <laughs> for my mother. And then the one he's holding gets snatched yeah, so out of his some, hands. Some nurse grabbed it from him. Yeah. Um, okay. That, that brings us to my last few points one of which is this whole time trapper if you really look at the storyline i want to say that trapper is really uh the main protagonist he mm -hmm. is the main character in this episode everything else revolves around him 
Which is weird because he's not in it a lot. Yeah, but you know where in the other episodes is Hawkeye mm -hmm. at the center and everything revolving around him, including Trapper. I really saw Trapper as the center of the universe hmm. of this episode. Interesting way to look at it. You know, because at the end, he's the one who still has all his stuff. He's the one who's the anchor in camp. Hmm. Yeah. He is the one telling everyone this isn't real, and Hawkeye is off here acting like a goof. I do love that even though Hawkeye gave away all his stuff, the one thing he didn't give away... <laughs> was. The gin still. <laughs> the gin still. Trapper stuff. That's all that's left in the swamp other than the framing of the tent. <laughs> even the walls of the tent are gone. The walls and the netting, because the walls are gone halfway through. And but by the end, not even the netting is mm. there anymore. Yeah. Uh the only other point, if you watch this episode, it's pretty clear that the whole thing was shot on a sound stage. Yes. You know, none of this was shot outside. However, a Jeep was used the whole time. Hmm. So it makes me wonder if it was a gas Jeep or not. I would think so, because those sound stages are huge, and they're very well ventilated. Okay. So, because they bring cars on in those all the time. Because you've, you've been out to Hollywood. I've been out to Burbank. I've seen the hill that, they, <laughs> that is Korea. Um, Gosh, these hills look like California. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go out there someday just to see that. But yeah, you know, I, it, I always wondered... I don't know the size of a soundstage, but it's like, yeah, it, it's a Jeep, an actual, right. like, I'm sure it's an actual surplus army Jeep. Oh, because yeah. just driving around inside, and that's got to be producing fumes. I don't think they cared as much back then either. Yeah, that's probably true, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, picture an air, air, airline hangar. Okay, yeah. So, but I think those were the big points out of uh, out of that episode that I had. Yeah, same here. I've got okay. everything down that I wanted to get down. You know, um, we we surmised it. Uh, summarized, not surmised. <laughs> I surmised. Somebody made his drink extra strong tonight. <laughs> and I waited until recording to start it. <laughs> so it's hitting me hard. Um, and yet, I'm still very eloquent in my speech. Except for when you surmise things. Yes. Well, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Season 1, episode 24, Showtime. This is the where it's kind of oddly broken up. Yes. Um, it, it's weird in that uh, there's a USO show going on at the 4 double seventh, which, first of all, once you get into later seasons, the 4 double seventh doesn't feel big enough to really host that. There like, wasn't really a big stage or a big audience. No, though. it wasn't. I mean, it was, you know, what, drums... A bass, mm -hmm. cello, something... A comedian. Yeah, a comedian and three singers. I yeah. mean, it wasn't big. And we see that sort of USO show roll through again later, okay. um, which is a good episode. Uh, Hawkeye takes out one of the performer's appendix. Oh. And she falls in love with him. <laughs> and he actually... Uh, big sidetrack. But he actually refuses. He tells her no. Hmm. And uh, this is Hawkeye with gray hair. So this is later wow. seasons Hawkeye. Um, but you, you, it fits because he has this kind of grown-up wisdom. And you definitely get the sense that this is a very young 
woman. Sure. Like, Im- not immature, but not worldly experienced yet. Whereas Hawkeye has become jaded because of the war. Right. This at is that when point. Hawkeye's not really the comedian so much anymore, but... You know, he is, but he isn't. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's seen too much. I always think they have a... Um, in the episode of Futurama, mm-hmm. entitled War is the H-Word. Mm-hmm. They, they're in war, and they have a, a Hawkeye robot operating <laughs> on patients. And he's got a switch... Where he's funny, oh. and then he switches it down. As war is moida, and then he switches it down. War is murder. Switches it back up. War is moida. Uh, <laughs> so they're yeah. making fun of the Hawkeye character. How he switches. How yeah. he switches. Yeah, and there is a lot of and that. And Zoidberg plays the Frank character, by the way. Oh, nice. I will have to. We'll have to bring that into the podcast at some point. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it so it's weird because the USO show is going on, and so we alternate between the singers and the comedian. But then there's a bunch of other stuff going on, and some of it feels like it's in continuity with the show, with the USO tour, mm-hmm. and some of it feels like it's out of continuity. See, and the way that I saw it at the end, like... It, during the episode, I thought, oh, the USO show is going on like over a weekend and mm-hmm. certain people are watching and certain people aren't. I think that the USO show all happens at the end. And just parts of it, like they're just bringing in, maybe they're, they're, maybe they're almost even flashbacks of people remembering while they're in the USO show. That feels about right because we do, like I say, parts are definitely happening during the show because like Father Mulcahy at the end of the episode gets pulled out and he goes into post-op right right away so that's like in continuity that's right. in time with the uso show mm-hmm. um but as far as what happens during the episode um we start out with an ambulance coming in so i'm going to try and pull the non-uso show part of this together we'll see how that works <laughs> uh uh an ambulance comes in Hawkeye and Frank are unloading it, and there's a little spat there because um, one of the wounded is pretty bad off. Frank orders a quarter grain of morphine, and Hawkeye says a third of a grain Mm -hmm. because he can take it, and he explains. And Frank, you know, Frank goes off on Hawkeye because you've... You've talked down to me the last time in front of other people. And... Which this is like the fourth time he says that <laughs> this season. Yeah. In fact, I think in last week's show or the week before was an episode about Frank leaving because of how Hawkeye talks to him. Yeah. Um, we see that Henry's wife is having a baby. <laughs> yes. Um, which is kind of a continuity issue for me because in other episodes we see him having a daughter. Right, and now he One, said he had three, this, this is going to be third. This is his third child, and it's a son. So, a little bit of a continuity issue there, but... That helps us know, too, that the war's been going on for less than nine months, mm-hmm. or there's a scandal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I think the only way that there'd be a scandal with Henry and his wife is if a Korean woman gave birth to Henry's child. Right, but, or that nurse that tends to live in his tent. Oh, yeah, Leslie. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, there is that. Um, But, so, yeah, I think that is a good marker. Because we do, uh, in, like, seasons two and three, it feels like we make big time jumps 
in the episodes. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a nice gauge. You're right. He couldn't have been gone for more than nine months. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What else? The Outfits Dentist. So this is another time where we meet that same dentist. Mm -hmm. uh, he has orders to go home. And he is taking it super careful. How careful? Hawkeye uh, asks him to pass the salt yes, or the pepper. The and he says, get it yourself. I'm not taking any chances. Right. What do you mean? I got my orders. Really? Yeah, they're in my top pocket. Can I see them? Yeah. Reach for them. They're in my top pocket. He doesn't want a paper cut to get, yeah. that would get infected. Yeah. So, I mean, this dentist is being super careful. Um, this whole time we see Trapper working furiously on this patient. Just... It reminds me of a few episodes ago when Hawkeye had a patient that he was working furiously on. Mm-hmm. Um, Trapper ends up ordering another unit of blood. Uh, Ugly, Ugly John is in the episode. He's mm -hmm. the anesthetist. Uh, and Trapper and Margaret are working together very hard to save this guy. Right. And, and it's touch and go. Right. It's definitely touch and go, even afterward. Um, another thing we see in the mess tent around the same time as with... The dentist is, or no, after that probably, because they're sitting in a different place. Hawkeye is talking to Father Mulcahy. Actually, yeah, they were talking to Father. He was talking to Father Mulcahy when the dent and the dentist was sitting next to them, and that. But then the dentist gets up and leaves. Okay. So it's the same. It's the same meal, but Father Mulcahy okay. was sitting across from Hawkeye, where the dentist was sitting on Hawkeye's left. Okay. Okay. Because he starts by talking to Father Mulcahy, then asks for the salt. Okay. And then finishes up with Father Mulcahy. Okay. So, yeah, he's talking to Father Mulcahy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mulcahy says something to the effect of, I envy you doctors at times. Because you get to see results right away. Whereas what I do, spiritually, um, I don't see results right away. Sometimes I don't ever. Which, by the way, uh, call back to Sidney Friedman. He has the same sort of comment right. in an episode when he comes to MASH to get a little R&R. &R, which is kind of weird to come to MASH <laughs> for R&R, &R, but that's what Sydney does one time. Um, so that that's an important thing, is mm -hmm. uh, Father Mulcahy not feeling that. And it's one of, the, one of my favorite lines out of Hawkeye, I think, which is that, I don't know, I think that God has an important part to play in it. Why do you say that, Hawkeye? I do things in the OR that I'm nowhere near good enough to do. Right. And I just think it proves, like, how, like, our bodies are very complex, but mm -hmm. our minds and our souls, for, you know, Sydney and Mulcahy, they're way more complex. So yeah. they take a lot more to fix. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even... The medical science that was around in the 50s that we were technically dealing with in the show is a lot more advanced than it was for centuries right. before, but... They're not leeching or bleeding. <laughs> but, you know, they could do a lot of stuff, but the mind is still a big mystery. I mean, this mm -hmm. is where they're still... You know, Frank Burns is still talking about shell shock. Right. So, uh, speaking of Frank... 
he decides to be a little bit of a prankster in this episode. Oh, he gets yeah. The the one the first thing he does is he apparently plugs up something in the still so that there's a lot of back pressure. Hawkeye goes to just he he kind of picks out a tube and it sprays him. And Frank ever so slightly is looking up and then starts reading his Bible again. I'm honestly a little surprised that Hawkeye just didn't take that hose and squirt it in his mouth. Mm. <laughs> he did just come out of surgery. He was a little... I guess. Yeah. Um, another one that Frank does is he puts a rope across the entryway to the swamp and rigs a bucket with water so that the next time Hawkeye walks in, he gets a bucket of water dumped on his head. Classics. Classics. Um... Ultimately, Hawkeye gets Frank back. We'll talk about that in a second, because that happens at the very end. Right. Um, another thing, though. So, I think that brings us up to about in continuity with the USO show, because then Father Mulcahy is sitting next to Radar in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Colonel Blake, his wife has the child. A son, a son. Seven pounds, two ounces, 21, inch, 21 or 24 inches long. I can't I remember. I think 21. Which. 21 inches long. Yep. And um, a boy. A boy. Yep. Um, and then we see Radar smoking a cigar, which I can only assume he got from Henry. Right. Um, Father Mulcahy gets pulled out of the show to go, uh, for, to go into post-op for Trapper's patient. Right. So there's Margaret Trapper, Hawkeye comes in, Ugly John is there, mm-hmm. and then Father Mulcahy. And before we finish up with what happens, yeah. I just want to point out that this is another great Margaret moment. Now, I am a Margaret fan because, again, okay. I know we're more from the later seasons. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a great Margaret moment where she is as invested in this patient as Trapper is. It yeah. reminds me of the episode when Hawkeye was very invested in his patient, and she came out... And tried to work out work out with him what was wrong. I mean, if you watch Margaret in this episode, is in her pajamas. Oh, really? She was in her in her nightgown. I didn't notice in post op trying to figure out what what's wrong with this patient. Mm. She so she is a very dedicated nurse. She is. I mean, above all, I just all, want to point that out. No, that's very important because she is above all. Margaret cares about the patients. Right. You know, you you put that against Frank, who I think cares most about himself mm-hmm. and the patients and are money. just and money and the patients are just an ends to that mean right um means to that yeah end. switch that reverse it <laughs> switch that reverse it yeah um <laughs> for margaret the patients really do come first they right. always do and we see that we really do she throughout takes pride the in se- her work throughout the series yeah mm-hmm. uh but they're all there concentrating on this patient his blood pressure isn't doing well he isn't doing well. That's why they called in Dago Red, so that he could pray for the guy. So, Father Mulcahy, he pulls up. He has his um, sash on, you know, and he just grabs the guy's hand, and all of a sudden... He prays. And he starts praying, and the guy, like, squeezes his hand, and, like... You, you seem kind of wake up a little bit. Ugly John grabs the dude's hand mm-hmm. and somehow gets his blood pressure off of his wrist. That, that's how I do it. <laughs> I, I get the blood pressure by staring at the palm of the hand. Isn't that how you do it? Sure. <laughs> 
putting that aside for the moment. Television. Television. This is also the same sort of medicine where they do CPR on the bunk by extending and bending their elbows. So they don't actually injure the patient in the bed. Anyway, um, apparently, Father Mulcahy, as soon as he started praying, the guy got better. And then mm -hmm. Hawkeye says, what was that you were saying about not seeing immediate results? <laughs> that was a very beautiful moment. Whether, whether you're Christian, atheist, whatever... That was just, it was cool for Dr. Doctor, for Father Mulcahy to see that. Yeah, because he even comments, it's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the patient's doing a lot better. Uh, Trapper and Margaret start going off. Margaret's leading them away. One of my favorite parts of this episode happens, which is that um, Hawkeye starts saying to the guy across from him, across the patient who happens to be the father Mulcahy, you know, I could really see those two becoming an item. <laughs> and it's Father Mulcahy, so he cuts himself short and turns the because phrase. Trapper is married. <laughs> yes. Um So we see that. The second to last thing that I want to point out about the episode that happens is Radar is doing another drum solo. Oh, yeah. And it's it's Gary Berghoff doing it, because he's actually... He's hitting the drums to the beat, and he's really good. I mean, you are you play drums. Right. I mean, we have a drum set down in the basement, you play drums, and you made some comment even about... Uh, drum face. Drum face. I love drum face, and I don't know if there's an actual term for it, I just always call it drum face. If you watch a drummer... I always watch their face. Like, everyone's always watching their hands out of the feet. Um, when you're drumming, all of your appendages are doing different things at different beats. So you're super focused because, I mean, your right hand's doing something, your left hand's doing something else, your right foot's doing something else, and your left foot's doing something completely different. Which is why I can never do it. It's, anyway, it's, continue. It's the most difficult instrument that I've ever tried to play. Yeah. But because of this, you have no thought of what's going on in your face. <laughs> because you just don't have that much brain power. So I, I love looking at drum face, and Radar definitely has a, a nice drum face in this episode. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it. I love it. Gary Berghoff, this is the second time we see him beating on the drums. The other one was uh, for a Father Mulcahy charity event mm -hmm. for the orphans. Um, but that's really cool. And then finally, uh, two things. Well, after that, Radar does something really nice the for Henry. The coolest ep moment of the episode. Especially, I think it hit us even cooler because we have a baby right now. Yeah, but since Henry couldn't be around to hold his own son, which I think gets retconned out, but anyway, for the moment, <laughs> his third child, his son, <laughs> that still exists, uh, he can't be around to hold him. So what does Radar do? He goes to one of the Korean ladies who works in camp who has a young child. We're guessing it's between... Two to four months. Based two to four on, months. Because the, the, the baby looked about Ryan's age, maybe a little younger, and she's three months. So, um, but Radar brings in this kid, puts him in Henry's arms. The mother's there. And uh, Henry's just, you know, cooing and eyeing at the baby. And yeah. It's very cool. And he asked if the mother spoke English, and he said, Radar said, no, but good thing you know how to smile in Korean. Yeah. Should, can I give the baby back now, sir? In a minute. As, <laughs> as uh, Henry turns away from Radar, <laughs> you see him just... 
Yeah. Yeah. Just loving on this baby. And it's a yeah. cute baby. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a part of me wonders how many takes they took because oh. the baby starts to cry as soon as um, he or she, I'm not sure yeah. what. Um, we'll say he. We'll for, say for he. For the benefit because... of the episode because it was a he in the episode. Yeah. Um, so he starts to cry as soon as he gets into Henry's arms. And it makes me wonder if they're like, eh, that's fine. <laughs> the or baby if, keeps crying. Yeah. We'll just play it as he's crying. Or if that's... they tried again to see if they could get happy baby. But <laughs> it just makes me wonder. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then the final thing in the episode, the final scene, is Hawkeye getting back at Frank. And actually, <laughs> yes. this is... This is one thing, this is one prank that always stands out for me between Hawkeye and Frank. And I don't know if it ever comes up again, but I remember this one distinctly among all others. Frank goes to the latrine. Now this is a latrine, this is an officer's latrine that's like in a big tent. So this is the big tent officer's latrine. Which is important, because you couldn't do this prank in a wooden shack latrine. You couldn't do it. Frank goes in with a copy of Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. And then Hawkeye signals. And an enlisted man cuts a rope. And it's reminiscent of, in the movie, when they do the similar thing and expose Margaret in an awkward position. They did this to Frank, and all, or at least the one wall of the officer's latrine flips away... And there's Frank on the can. <laughs> Newspaper up. And Hawkeye just kind of gives him a, like a thumbs up, I want to say, yeah. or salutes him, yes, probably. He br- Frank brings down the newspaper to see, and Hawkeye, I believe, salutes him, him, and the newspaper just goes back up. And that's the end. So, it, it's... That's the episode. That's what I have for it. It's again. It's kind of hard to talk about this one in a different way because all of that is intercut mm-hmm. with a really bad comedian, <laughs> and I, who I think is supposed to be Bob Hopeish, and a three sisters singing group. And they do great as far as harmonizing. Yeah, they goes. they are, and they play. They sing a song. Um, you make me feel so young, and they do mm. a great job with that. You see Wounded out in the audience, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the comedian, the only reason he gets any laughs, I'm convinced, is because of the rim shots coming from the drummer behind him <laughs> to let the crowd know when they're supposed to laugh. Because I believe Hawkeye and Trapper at, at different points were both reading books. Or asleep. Or asleep. Um, but then you can tell that it's the season finale because... They get a they get a two shot on each character as their um, name, the they're credited at the bottom of the screen. So mm-hmm. every character gets a two second two shot um, with their name. That said, even w- even Father Mulcahy and Klinger did they? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I was gonna say I I think they're still credited in the end. They are, but, but they got credited. Oh, good. Um, in the in, two in the two shots. Okay. Oh, cool. For those of you who don't know, two shot is is a camera term for how close in you're you're on the character. Okay. So yeah, you know that's that's the way that episode went. Um, it's a good episode. It's it is. It's definitely different in terms of how it's composed. 
versus the other episodes in the season. Mm-hmm. Just because it was how... It was cut differently. It's cut differently. Um, instead of being linear, it's... Like I say, it's kind of like... I think you're right, where it's the USO thing is going on, and then we see the lead up, and then we're in right. the middle of it. Um, but, yeah, good episode shows us... And between these two, I think we see a lot of character development. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that Frank was pranking Hawkeye. Yeah. She was on the other foot. Mm. But then he learns not to mess with Hawkeye. But still, he is originally pranking Hawkeye. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important for Frank. Because it shows that he isn't just... A stick in the mud? A stick in the mud, screw up, mm-hmm. ferret face, whatever, Frank. Right. There's more depth to him, and I wish they had done more with that. But they stuck with the Frank who's no good. Right. You know. Cause I, he could have been a great character who just continued, but he left the show at a point where his character was firmly entrenched in this... Um, caricature mm-hmm. of Frank Burns which is kind of unfortunate but then we get Major Winchester who I'm sure we'll talk about in the next episode and he's great he does a really good job too so I can't say too much bad about that Right. but um, Larry Linville did do a great job as Frank he w- did when they gave him the right material he's a character you love to hate when he's a stick in the mud and he played like when he giggled when Hawkeye got got pranked. It was it, it cracked me up just yeah. the way that he giggled. He giggled with his whole shoulders. And you you do feel bad for the guy a lot of the time. You do. It's like he is a human being that I can connect to, but then he's such a horrible person <laughs> so much. A butthead. Yeah. So, but again. Great episodes, a uh, great way to end the season. When I was watching these, something else I probably could have looked up ahead of time, all I could think was, Ceasefire was aired first, and then Showtime was aired second. And I've got to think, if they weren't picked up for a second season, would those have aired in reverse order hmm. with a different ending to Ceasefire? Very possibly. You know? I don't know. They might have even had two episodes or two endings in the can mm-hmm. ready to go to see if they get picked up. Because we do know that at the end of season three, they didn't give the cast the whole script to Abyssinia Henry, which is... The uh, sad one. The sad one. Yeah, that's where Henry Blake leaves. They didn't give them the whole script right away. They held the last scene from them until right before the actors went on then gave it to them, and that's why the emotional impact that we see on the film is so real. Because it is. Yeah, I think that was smart. Mm. It reminds me of one of my favorite comedians of all time, Gracie Allen, Mm. George Burns' wife. Mm -hmm. They never gave her the script until right before, because she was such a great improver, Mm. that if they gave her the script, she was horrible. But if she just cold read it... She would make up stuff on the spot where she was amazing. One of the most funniest people on the planet. I mean, that's where the Say Goodnight Gracie, Goodnight Gracie came from. There you, you go. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's Very a classic. Cool. Everybody knows that. Not everybody mm-hmm. knows who Gracie Allen is, but everyone knows Say Goodnight Gracie. Goodnight Gracie. 
Yeah. Oh, that gets parodied all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Definitely. So that just, I mean, sometimes it's smart to not give the actors the script and let them have the real emotions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do kind of wonder if they had a different air order to mm-hmm. season one and a different ending to ceasefire planned if they didn't get picked up. Probably. But, you know, after season one, I don't think there was any question that this was going to go the right. distance because... It, what, tripled the actual war? Oh, goodness. Length? Quadrupled? Oh, oh, almost quadrupled. I mean, <laughs> the Korean conflict was never actually a war. Oh, yes, I <laughs> Even though there was a draft, it was a police action. That's right. Um, lasted from 50 until 53, so I guess technically about tripled. Okay. Because um, the Korean War lasted three, four years. Sure. And the show lasted 11. So right. About three times. The show lasted three times as long as the actual conflict. But I'm grateful for that because I love MASH. I hope you do too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you for coming back and listening to this podcast week after week. And thank you for having me as a guest. Yeah, thank you. You did a great job. I think we should uh, have you on more often. Thank you. Um, If you care to get new episodes of this podcast or get previous episodes if you do the podcast thing you can head over to itunes search for whiskey and mash or you can search for chris pullman or gloria ackerman or now laura pullman and you will probably find whiskey and mash um our logo is this big red cross on a olive drab background with a whiskey glass so you know there's that um otherwise just whiskey and mash subscribe download get our latest episodes you can do the same thing on your favorite podcast application otherwise if you don't do the podcast thing if somebody handed you an mp3 of this fantastic thank you i hope you share it with somebody you know as well you can get all the mp3s of this podcast over at narclaninc that's n-a-r-c-l-a-n-i-n-c dot com slash whiskey and mash all one word you go there all the raw mp3 files of this podcast are available over there you can download them put them on your um you know your zune i don't know i only know the yes (laughs) you don't know somebody could still have it i don't think anyone still i don't think uh i can't think of his name right now the person who started microsoft i don't think bill gates i don't think bill gates has a zune anymore i'm sure bill gates doesn't have a zune he probably just has a chip implanted in his head But so, there might be a zoo out there somewhere propping up a table <laughs> with but a point, short leg. Point being, even if you had a zoom, you could download the MP3, throw it on that MP3 player, and listen to this podcast wherever you go. On a run, on your way to work, at work, when you're supposed to be working. We don't judge. You know, wherever you listen. Can. On the can. You know, just don't tell us. Thank you very much. I don't need to know about that. Um... <laughs> But we appreciate you listening. Please, the best way you can support this podcast is to share it with a friend, a family member, somebody who you think would enjoy our Grab a random stranger commentary. when you're walking down the street and say, listen to this podcast! Maybe not that. You might get charges <laughs> pressed against you. Maybe not that. But anyway, if you like the podcast enough, uh, email us, whiskeyandmash at narclaninc.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash whiskey and mash. You should be able to find us there. Otherwise, you can go 
Um, once I revamp the website, still need to do that. My apologies. It's every episode. I every episode. To, I'm usually a listener of this podcast, and every episode, I need to revamp this podcast. I keep him too busy trying to help me with the baby. I'm sorry, I'm, everybody. Well, no, I, no, I love helping with Ryan, but yeah, it's like you know, we both work forty-hour jobs. We do. We go to the gym with a trainer, come home and do these two podcasts. I would love to do more podcasts, but apparently, according to Laura, I don't have enough time. I don't know why she says this, (laughs) just because I don't have time to actually do them. Um, (laughs) So yes, a little busy, but I will revamp it eventually, and then we will put a link out on the website, directly to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey and mash so you can find us there send us a message let us know how we're doing if you have any comments any critiques about this we welcome them same thing at the email address but until next time did you tell them about your other podcast i didn't uh thank you for reminding me uh just wrapped up last week the final episode of um not of the podcast, but of, I'll call it season one of that podcast, Chris Reed's book. It's where I read portions of my first novel, Mystery and Deceit, From Earth to Mars, uh, to you, my listeners, so that you can, just like this podcast, take it with you where you go. I'm trying to become a writer, and that's a way to make my book more accessible to everybody out there. So I've been recording it. I recorded the last part of that book this last week. Uh, tomorrow when I record the new one, uh, hopefully <laughs> I'll have the second book edited far enough so that I can read the start of that one to you there. To find that, same deal, your favorite podcast application, search for Chris Reed's book, or if you search for Chris Pullman, you'll find probably both of those as well. It's also available over on the website, narclaning slash Chris Reed's book. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. Yeah. Until next time, though, I'm Chris Pullman. I'm Laura Pullman, filling in for Gloria Ackerman. And we hope to see you next time. Thanks for coming. That's it. That's how it goes. So, still recording, but, you know, that's that's the fun part. She's asleep. She is out. So I know this is... Thank <laughs> you.